Welcome to On The Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Welcome to episode 18 of On The Way. This is our 10th episode in the book of Hebrews. Today we're going to finish chapter 9 and begin chapter 10. So far we've learned that Jesus is God. He's greater than the angels. We've learned that Jesus is the prophet who is greater than Moses. We've learned that Jesus is a priest greater than Israel's high priest. And we've learned that he is a king greater than Melchizedek. Today we're going to learn that Jesus isn't just a priest who offers sacrifices. He is actually also the sacrifice itself, the perfect, spotless, sinless sacrifice. Hebrews 9, 11-12 says, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. And that concept that Jesus' sacrifice was a once for all time sacrifice is the primary idea that we'll see all through this section. But why is that significant for us? Remember, the priest in the temple killed animals consistently, constantly, over and over again, both daily and also yearly on the Day of Atonement. And those sacrifices did have some effect, but not an entire effect, not not the full effect of what they needed to be. Verse 13 says, They were able to cleanse people enough for them to worship God. Our sin separates us from God, and as long as we are made impure by our sin, there can't be any fellowship between people and God. That sin must be cleansed before we can come to God, before we can worship God. And the blood of animals sacrificed to God was able to do that, at least to some extent, but not for very long. So they had to offer the sacrifices over and over again. The sacrifice of animals cleansed sins in the past, but they couldn't really move forward into the future to cleanse future sins. There's no prevenient grace in animal sacrifice. When the priests were were to worship God in the temple, they had to begin by offering sacrifices for themselves so that they could be cleansed just enough to offer sacrifices for everyone else. So if animal sacrifices could do some cleansing, how much more can Christ's sacrifice, sacrifice of himself, cleanse us? Verse 14 says, Just think of how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So sacrifices under the Old Covenant has two problems. Number one, the priests aren't perfect, so they have to offer sacrifices for themselves too. But also the animals themselves, the animals that they're killing aren't perfect. So they would have to try to get the best animal that they could, a spotless lamb. But there's no perfect animal. 
And Jesus fixes both of those problems. He is the perfect high priest and he is the perfect sacrifice. Hebrews 10.1 says, The sacrifices under the old system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Priests offered sacrifices, and Jesus offered himself. Animals died and stayed dead, but Jesus died and resurrected. Verse 15 says, That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. So now we need to talk more about covenants. When the English Bible says a covenant was made, it's translating the word made from the Hebrew word karath. But karath doesn't mean made. Karath literally means to cut. And that's the language the Hebrew people would have used when they talked about covenants. They literally cut a covenant. That means that in order to establish a contract or an agreement, a pact, that flesh was cut. Blood had to be shed for this covenant to be made. Remember that when God made a covenant with Adam, God cut his side. He took out a rib and made Eve. When God made a covenant with Abraham, he killed multiple animals in half, and the Spirit of God walked between the bloody halves of the animals. When Hebrew people wanted to establish an agreement, animals were killed, blood was shed, and they walked in the blood of the animals. Hebrews 9.22 is one of the most famous verses in Hebrews. It says, For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So when Jesus put an end to the old covenant in order to establish a new covenant, a new contract, blood had to be shed. And because it was to be a permanent contract that goes forward into eternity, it had to be perfect blood, his perfect blood. God made a covenant with the Jewish people, but they kept breaking the covenant. They kept breaking the contract. They couldn't hold up their end of the deal. So Jesus established a new contract that required nothing of us. We couldn't be good enough to keep the old contract, so Jesus made a contract that didn't hold us accountable for our sins. Verse 15 continues, For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. So what happened? The perfect high priest made a perfect sacrifice in order to establish a new covenant with us. And when we inevitably sinned, the effects of that sacrifice went forward to forgive us of those sins. We call it prevenient grace. It cleanses us of our sins so that we can be in relationship with God even though we are sinners. Then the author of Hebrews begins to use different language to illustrate covenants. He starts talking about wills, leaving a will for people. Verse 16 says, Now when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. So this is a really cool illustration that I don't think gets enough attention. This is another reason why Jesus had to die, so that the will could take effect. And remember, another cool thing is that a will is a contract that a person can actually establish without the consent of the people who will benefit from the contract. So in my will, I can give you everything I own without you having to do anything to agree to the contract. I'm, I'm establishing the contract. I'm setting up the terms and I'm implementing it. And when I die, you get my stuff without doing anything. 
And in Jesus's will, he gave you something priceless. He gave you eternal life. He gave you hope and peace in this life. And he gave you heaven. It is a gift that he left to you in his will when he died. Hebrews 9, 27 through 28 says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Jesus came once to deal with sins. That's done. It's over. The next time he comes, he's bringing our reward for his sacrifice. He's bringing heaven a gift and a gift that he bought with his own sacrifice. Hebrews 10.1 says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The old covenant was established by God to give us a preview of the new covenant. And now we have an even greater appreciation of the new covenant because we see the difficulties of the old covenant, the obsolete replaced old covenant. Verse 9 says, He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. We've now read that the old covenant is obsolete. We've read that it was replaced. And now we're reading that it was canceled. How many more words does the author have to use to show that the Old Covenant is no longer active? It's not an active covenant anymore. Yet so many Christians still cling to the belief that the Jewish covenant still has power to save Jews. The goal of the Old Covenant was to point us to Jesus, to prepare us for Jesus. Well, Jesus came. So the Old Covenant accomplished its purpose. Now it's obsolete. Verse 10 says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. The death and resurrection of Jesus was always the plan. Okay, next week we're going to pick up right there at Hebrews 10, 19. If you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person he created you to be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of On the Way. Here's the discussion questions for this episode. Number one, why was it required for priests to repeatedly offer sacrifices yet Jesus only had to die once? What made Jesus' sacrifice unique? Number two, the Jews constantly sinned and broke their covenant with God, causing separation from him. Why does our sin not break our covenant with God and separate us from him? Number three, how comfortable are you with the idea of cutting a covenant? Does the bloody contract-making process of the Hebrew people make you thankful that our process of contracting with other people is usually just a signature? Number four, if the purpose of the old covenant was to prepare the world for Jesus, does that mean God planned the death of Jesus in the beginning of time? If no, when do you think God determined that a perfect sacrifice was needed? 